Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. I really want to take the next, Lord willing, the next couple of weeks uh, up through Christmas to talk about Jesus even more, just to keep talking about him. We can never exhaust talking about Jesus. I think when we are in heaven, or however long we're on the earth with him, and then in heaven, or however however that works, we will be learning and talking about him and experiencing him more and more and more and hearing stories that we've never heard before from him. It just, it will be forever. It will be forever. So we can dip in a little bit today to talk about Jesus who he is, what he's done, the layers of his love that he has for us. Man, there's just no one like him. You know, the Apostle John said that just while he was on the earth, if all of his things that he did were written down, the world could not contain the books. And we're going to get to learn those things over, over time. So you realize that when he entered the portal in heaven and allowed the Spirit of God to take him and to reduce him all the way down to an embryo or an egg, however that worked, and the, the sperm that joined, or however that worked right there when the Holy Spirit did all of that, and reduced himself down to nothing, then became a child and then a man as the son of God, as the rescue of our lives, that the greatest privilege that you and I have on this earth, bar none, is to know him. To know him. To sing about him, yes. To worship him, yes. We were made to worship him. But we get to know him. We get to have fellowship with him now and forever, we get to experience his presence, that he is near. I'm so thankful that he didn't start a religion. He started a relational aspect for all of us to join in on and get to know him. He didn't start something so formal that it's just information in the head. He started something that is alive and living And it's knowing him. And that is being a Christian. Isn't a church. It's the church. It's his body. It's his people following him. I know you know these things. I'm just reminding. The beauty of what we have in him, getting to know him. And my desire um, as a pastor, as one who the Lord has sent here to this great city to lead this fellowship, really when I think of it over and over, what... Why am I here? Why am I doing this? What are we gathered for? It's to get to know him. And I believe that my job as a leader is to help encourage your relationship with him. It's not to gain your affection. And it's not to try to be cool or worldly relevant. I've always been about 10 years behind cool anyway. My whole life, I'm thinking of ordering some skinny jeans this week, actually, just to... (laughs) Keep up with that 10-year trend. No, I'm kidding. Okay. 
But my job is to help you get closer to Jesus. That's what all this is about. Isn't that right? So I remember at our wedding, you know, and my wife and I got married 28 and a half years ago. I was standing up at front, you know, as you, as you do. I did a wedding yesterday. And I was reminded of this. Um, and the doors opened, and there was Debbie standing in her dress at the top of the aisle. And there was her brother. Her dad passed away when she was 11, and her mom. So she had her brother there to walk her down the aisle. And she was locked arms with him. And as they came down the aisle, I'm focused on her. And she is waving, like, doing this, like, all the way down, you know. She's just enjoying the moment. But her brother, who was escorting her, was locked on me. And he was, he was pretty stiff, actually. It was kind of like this, and he's looking at me, and he knows he's got a job. It's to get her from there to here. And when he did, he shook my hand, connected my hand with her hand, gave her a kiss, and backed off. And the Lord spoke to me about that later and said that, her brother's name is Dave, Dave's job is what every Christian leader's job is, is to take the bride of Jesus, not for themselves, but to make a beeline for Jesus and get her hand in his hand and support that relationship for the rest of your life. That's what being a leader is, right? That's what we're to do for other people is to connect them with Jesus. Jesus said, if I'll be lifted up, I'll do what? I'll draw all people to myself. And our job is to help lift him up. He was speaking of being lifted up on a cross at that time, but I believe it also has to do with us lifting his name up, blessing him, blasting him with praise, letting other people know about how good he is how wonderful he is, and how we can know him, not just know about him. Jesus is the answer to every need. He's the solution to the largest problems in the world. And he's the hope that we're looking for, that every person is looking for. He is the God of hope. Jesus is that one. If our lives are centered on him and he's the centerpiece of our lives, then we will be free and we'll be whole and others will around us too because they will have that same encounter with him. We'll be able to withstand every storm. We'll be able to feel loved in every circumstance. Hear his voice. Have peace in chaos because we were born into chaos. But we can have peace in the midst of that with him. Because he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. We have him. You'll be delivered of loneliness because he's closer than a brother. And he's right there. He lives inside of us and we're never alone. I'm so grateful. Let's read a little bit about what the Bible says about Jesus. It's an incredible passage. Let's start with Hebrews chapter 1. I want to read the first three verses out of the Amplified. I like to read different versions, and uh, sometimes the Amplified amplifies things to help us understand. 
It says here, God, having spoken to the fathers long ago in the voices and writings of the prophets, in many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth, and in many ways, has in these last days spoken with finality to us in the person of one who is by character and nature the Son of God. He spoke in these days through the Son, whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things. He's the heir and the lawful owner of everything. And through whom also he created the universe. Through Jesus, the Father created the universe. I don't understand how that worked. I can't wait till we get a glimpse of what that looked like. I believe we'll get to ask those questions and fly around somehow and experience history from billions of years ago, however that works. That we'll get to see those things. But the Father did everything through the Son. Verse 3. The sun is the radiance and the only expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, his light being, the brilliant light of the divine. And Jesus is the exact representation and perfect imprint of his Father's essence, is the exact representation of what the Father's like. And upholding and maintaining and propelling all things, the entire physical and spiritual universe, Jesus upholds, maintains, and propels by his powerful word, carrying the universe along to its predetermined goal. Jesus is doing everything. He not only came and died for us, but he created the universe with its trillions of stars and billions of galaxies, and we can't even see it a portion of them, all of the planets. Then he created the world. Then he came here to live on the world, came as the smallest thing. And he, while at the same time as he's growing up, he is holding together the universe. He's talking to someone and healing someone at the same time. He's keeping gravity for the whole world in place. Jesus is amazing. We get to know him. This God is not just a word. He's a person and he is God. He is the son of man. He's everything that we need. He's everything every other person needs. He's the solution to wars and countries not getting along. In the Middle East conflict, Jesus is a solution. He really is. He knows everything. You want right theology? Jesus is perfect theology. Desire truth? Jesus said of himself, he is truth. You want abundant life? He is the life, and he said, this is what I give. Abundant life. If one day you wake up thinking, I'd like, I could use some abundant life. You have it in him. You can receive it. We can receive, we have the ability to receive all that Jesus purchased, what he has to give, and who he is. We get to receive him. Jesus also said, 
If you receive me, you receive my Father as well. You receive the one who sent me. If we receive Jesus, we receive the Father too. Jesus said, he and I, the Father and I, will come and make our abode inside of you. We'll come and move on the inside of you. I don't know how much better it gets than that. And Jesus wants to become the focus of our lives, the centerpiece and the focus of our lives. He doesn't make us, but he desires it. Desires to have first place in everything. Colossians 1 verse 18 says, he also is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Again, this isn't a religion where you check the boxes. He wants first place in everything, especially our hearts. He wants our hearts to look to him, and he wants to be the lens that we see things through. As you get to know people and talk to people throughout your lives, you would understand what I'm about to say, and that is many people have different lenses that they see life through. Some people see it through the Torah. Some people see life through their experience or their wounds. Some people see life through the doctrines that they have in their head. All kind of different things that people see life through and decide what's right or what's wrong. Jesus is the true lens to see life. I want to have, you know, I, I had a cataract a couple of years ago in my right eye. So they went in, they removed it and my lens and put a different one in. So I've got this other lens in there. Jesus wants to be my lens. He wants to remove the cataracts from us and be the lens that we look through, that we see through, that we measure things against. Not our own thoughts, not just our own ways and what we want or our own wounds or my experience, but I want to look at, at everything through the lens of Jesus. You know, his name, Yeshua, means salvation. The name of Jesus means salvation. And Jesus was, he is, and he will be, right? He is in this moment. He died on the cross. He has always been, but he's also returning. And guess what? Salvation has three tenses as well. We have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. It's dynamic, just like Jesus. It's who he is and what he's like. Salvation is every moment for you and I. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Think about that for a moment. Salvation is every moment and into the future. And Jesus said, or it says through Paul, that we will be saved from the wrath of God to come because we're in him. Wrath is not meant for us. We'll be saved from that. He is salvation and we're in him and he is in us. Acts 4.12 says, there is salvation in no one else for there's no name under heaven that which has been given among men by which we must be saved. Just his name, Jesus. Of course, that name, Yeshua, we translate that, that went into Greek in the New Testament, um, which 
Yeshua, which we translate into Jesus with a J, and there's no J in Greek or Hebrew, but in English, we have J's. So Jerusalem is different, and the Jew is different, all those as far as there's no J in the original. But it doesn't matter. Jesus is what we say in English. But you can also say Yeshua. It's okay. Don't get hung up on that. I was uh, leading a Bible school once, and I remember I had a couple of students that came to me, and they said, we can't sing the songs anymore. Because Jesus isn't his real name, it's Yeshua. So they had, in their Bibles, scratched out the name of Jesus. And so they couldn't, they felt like it was being um, just untrue or that it was false to say the name Jesus. That's craziness. That's craziness. You can say his name in any language because it speaks to the person. Some of my children don't call me by my name. None of them do, actually. They call me a different name. Dad or Pops or Pop or sometimes other funny names. They call me all kind of stuff. But they're speaking of me. And it's the same with Jesus. That highest name that he has been given. It is Yeshua, but it speaks more of who he has made that name to be. We want to celebrate not only who he is in his name, but there is a book. He says in Psalms 139, this is an amazing thing, and I'll share on this at another time, but in Psalm 139, it talks about there's a book with your name on it. There's a book with your name on it in heaven. Think about that for a moment. Your in the library of heaven, which is huge. There's a book with your name on it. And in the story that I've written about this, actually, you can open it up and dive into the experiences and remember all the things that happened through your journey of life because it's the journey of your entire life from Adam to where you are to your future days yet. Your book has everything. The Bible says every day that you live was written down before you ever started to live it. Isn't that incredible? So there are a lot of books in heaven, just like there are a lot of books on the earth, the greatest book being the scriptures. But in heaven, there are so many amazing books. Every single person who's ever lived has their book with all the days they've ever lived in it. And then there's this other book that's shining, spectacular, above many other books, maybe above all, I don't know how this works. But in it is your name, not just your book with your name on it, but your name, and it's called Jesus' book, the Lamb's Book of Life. In the Lamb's Book of Life, your name is written there. And no one can erase it. It's there. And it means that you are written into Jesus' book and on his heart to live forever with him. That will never be separate from him. That's amazing. You remember when Jesus sent out the 70 disciples? First he sent out the 12, then he sent out 70 more. Gave them authority to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. They came back having cast out some demons and they were so excited. They were you know, sharing about it. Jesus, the spirits are subject to us and your name. And Jesus was like, yeah, I saw Here's what he says. He says, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning while you guys were ministering. How about that? 
They were displacing strongholds and demonic powers as the 70 were out ministering. He said, behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. You've got that. And over all the power of the enemy. I love that. Jesus gave authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, speaking of demonic powers, and over all the power of the enemy. He didn't say, I give you power over people. That's a good distinction, by the way. Over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Every year we have birthdays, and there's celebration, and candles, and more candles, and more candles on the car, on the cake, and balloons, and it's a great thing to celebrate our life's beginning. I think we should also have a celebration of the day our name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Even though we may not know what day that is. I can't remember my exact day. I remember my age, but I don't remember the exact day. I remember the month. But I want to celebrate that day. Jesus said, rejoice that your name is written in that book. Because it speaks of eternity. Starting here, salvation. Thank you, Lord. Jesus' name. One day it says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, so at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, those in the demonic realms or Abaddon or Ghana or hell or whatever we want to call it, those under the earth, those on the earth, those in the first, second, third heaven, every creature, every intelligent being, human, non-human, will one day bow their knees to Jesus. Every single one. And I don't think it will be forced. I think it will be uncontrollable. In the presence of God, every knee buckles. Whether you believe in him or like him or not. With his presence, every knee will bow. However, here we are, before that happens, before every person does, we get the choice to do it. We get to say, I submit to you, Jesus. I bow my knees to you, and I give you my life. Pretty beautiful. Every tongue will also confess that he's Lord. It will be uncontrollable. I don't think you'll be able to stop it because we'll know, yep, he is. Doesn't matter my best argument that he isn't. He is. That was going to happen one day. But his name is not a magic word. And this is important as we not only know him, but when we pray and we speak his name, it's important that we never do it as a part of a system or a formula. Because he's not a formula. Witchcraft is formula. Relationship with Jesus is expression of a name of the person I know who's my friend and my God and my Savior who lives on the inside of me. So when I say his name, I'm not speaking of something I hope works because uh, this is what you're supposed to say. It's I'm speaking the name of the one who purchased me with his blood and lives inside of me. So different. It's a powerful thing. 
That's where the people got in trouble who were trying to cast out demons in the name of Paul or the name of Jesus that Paul speaks of. They were using a formula, and the demons went, oh, get them. And they jumped on them, tore their clothes off, beat them up. They weren't speaking out of a relationship. They were speaking out of a formula. Religion is formula. Witchcraft is formula. Relationship with Jesus is, re is so different. It's so wonderful. It's the opposite. It's a living and alive. It's powerful. Jesus is the ultimate solution to every human problem. And our freedom is not found in striving and trying harder. It's in our surrender to the one who did it all. Isn't that incredible thing? The more I surrender to him, the more I bow my knee on this side, the more he sets me free. I, for a time, uh, volunteered in a... Um, Rehabilitation Center for Heroin Addicts. I would go there often, spend time with these guys. It was just men. And uh, you would see uh, heroin's nasty and the effects of that thing. And their natures in so many ways would get so twisted where they just lie and lie and lie and deceive and do whatever they can to get some more. But there's this one guy, his name's Roger, stands out to me because he was different. Roger met Jesus in the rehabilitation center, and when he did, he did something like no one I've just seen personally. He surrendered every part of who he was entirely with no hanging on to something, no plan B or no backstop or no, I'd still like to have that. He said, whatever you want, Jesus, I don't care what it is, I give you all of myself. I let go of every evil desire, every single thing I've ever committed, every sin, I give it all. There's not one thing I'm hiding from. And watching a person who is that surrendered, watching the Holy Spirit come in and absolutely radically change him quickly and set him free of the addiction, completely free of the addiction, and a new person. Because the amount of our surrender determines the amount of our freedom. To the degree that we surrender is the degree of our freedom in every way. But what we hang on to gives the enemy some sort of a place to still mess with us and gives him legal right to stay. In places. Part of our walk and journey with Jesus is to, the older we get and the more mature we get, the more we let go and give to him and ask him to invade that space, to invade that spot as he transforms us and changes us from glory to glory where we'll become more and more like him and look like him and behave like him and are more and more free. We can do that day one. Some people do that. I'm more of a work in progress as I think most people are. But we can give it all away and have all of him. You know what a bond slave is? You know, in the Old Testament, you heard, you've heard it. Paul talks about it. Peter talks about it. James talks about it. They call themselves bond slaves to Jesus. What does that mean? 
Well, in the Old Testament, in some Jewish tradition, people had slaves. A third of the world were enslaved at the time of Jesus. A third of the world, 33% of the world were slaves. Slavery has been around a long, long time. In the Old Testament, when someone was a slave, but the master set them free, he said, okay, you're free. What a bond slave is, is a person who was a slave who's been set free, but he says, no, I love my master. I love my master, so I take my freedom that you just given to me, and I give it back to you, and I say, I'm yours to be your servant for the rest of my life. So then that master would take him and say, if you really mean this, okay, and they would go up against a piece of wood, like a, a door frame, and he'd put his earlobe against that door frame, and he'd take an awl and punch an awl right through their ear, give them an ear piercing. And that was the sign of a bond slave. Their ear has been pierced, showing that I've given up my freedom to follow and to serve you for the rest of my life. It's a bond slave. So in the, go to the New Testament, and you see Peter, and you see Paul, and you see James, the guy saying, we are bond servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. He came and set me free so I can then live how I might want to, but instead of just living how I want to, I've taken my freedom and saying, Jesus, I look back to the one who set me free, and I say, I am your bond servant. My life is yours. Not to do as I will, but as you will. Whatever you want me to do, that I will do. Pierce my ear spiritually and own my heart. I'm all the way yours. That's a powerful thing. When you read that in the scriptures about being a bond slave, it's so different than just someone who knows about Jesus or says they're a Christian or wears a cross. It says, or even believes in Jesus. Isn't that something? Well, it's convicting to me. It says that the demons believe. How about that one? That's a crazy verse, by the way. Even the demons believe and they can shudder, right? So it's not just about believing that there is a God, believing Jesus. You talk to some people on the street, you know, do you know God? Are you a Christian? Yes. I, I believe in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, there's a Jesus. That's entirely different than what a bond slave is. A bond slave, yes, they believe, but then they've aligned their freedom. They've been cleansed, set free, and then they align their freedom with Jesus and say, I'm yours. Pierce me. I'm gonna follow you all of my life, wherever you want me to go. My life is not my own. It's not about what I wanna do. It's about what do you want me to do. Jesus desires that for all of us. He desires that for all of us. That's why at the very end, for all of us, I think about this day. There will be a day we will stand before him personally, each one of us. And there will either be well done, my good and faithful servant. That servant word can be bond slave. You know, enter into my rest. Or they might be, I never knew you. Depart from me. Those are really strong words. Jesus said them. Depart from me. I never knew you. I reject that second one. I want to know him. I want all of us to know him and be his bond slaves, his bond servants. Not knowing about him, but knowing him fully all the way.
There was a moment in Jesus' life as he was walking around and healing. He told people, don't tell anybody what I just did. Don't tell anyone that I just healed that person. Just go and, you know, live a great life. Today's not that day. Now he says, tell everybody about me. Tell everybody about me. This is a different time. It wasn't his time. He, hasn't, he hadn't been crucified yet. It wasn't the moment for people to be lifting him up, but it was going to happen. But today's completely different. We want to tell everyone about Jesus, who he is, what he's done. And we also want to, you know, every, every year for me at least, uh, the beginning of the year, which is coming quickly, I reevaluate and set goals and Lord, what do you want me to do differently and what is in my heart that you want changed? I think it's good to reevaluate some of those things and to, again, realign myself with the Lord. Every once in a while, you ever been driving behind someone on the highway and their truck, their cars are going down the road this way? Their rear wheels are out of alignment. It's like they're going down sideways. It's because they need a realignment. Their tires got, they bumped into all kind of stuff throughout the year, and they need to get realigned so the, the rear tires are following the front tires and not trying to go a different direction. And I've, I find that I need that as well. I get with the Lord and say, Lord, realign me. I align myself with you all over again. Here's my ear all over again. I want to be your bond slave. Why don't we just pray? Lord, we just... In hearing these words and what you've said and who you are as the one who holds together the universe and our world and our lives and our breaths and our heartbeats, and then you cleansed us. You came and died. You gave your life 100% all the way for us so that we could have freedom. And then if we wanted to choose you, with all of our lives, 100%. And we just think about that this, this moment, Lord. And we want to respond to your invitation to come and follow you and to daily take up our cross and die to ourselves and to follow you with all of our lives. Lord, if there are things in any of us that are distractions, or that are going a different direction than your spirit is wanting us to go, Lord, we bring them to the altar even this morning. We lay these things down. We bring those things in ourselves as a living sacrifice, one that's pleasing to you. Lord, here's our earlobe. We're saying thank you for your freedom, but we're also returning to you saying, I'm yours all the way. Use my life. Fill me. Wash over me. Use me for all of your purposes. And Lord, I want to ask right now as those in the room who are doing this and having this transaction with you, Lord, I ask for your freedom to come in every place of surrender. Every addiction as we own it, lay it down and give it to you and hang on to it no longer. Jesus, I ask that you would fill that spot with your freedom, with your cleansing, 
break every chain, every bondage, everything that has held them back, break it in the name of Jesus. That powerful name that is a bondage breaker, that's a healer. You are that healer. You are our salvation. Heal, set free, realign us, Lord, all over again with you. And Lord, speak to us. The same ear that you pierce, I ask that you'd speak to. Lead us in your ways. Show us your will. And we choose you. We say yes to you all over again. Kind of like that married person that says, I do. Ten years after they've been married. In their hearts every day. Or 20 years. Or 40 years. Choosing the same person over and over again. We choose you all over again, Lord. And we say, here's our lives. Here's our future. Here's our wants and our desires. Here's our hearts. Here's our bodies. Here's our minds. We give ourselves all over to you. And thank you that you've written our name in your book. Thank you, Lord, that you've written our name in that book and that we get to be with you forever. We bless you and thank you for calling us. You've given us the right to become your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.